welcome to episode 198 of the Spokesman Cycling Roundtable podcast. This show was recorded on Sunday, 12th of August, 2018. The Spokesman Cycling Roundtable podcast is brought to you by Jensen USA, where you'll always find a great selection of products at amazing prices with unparalleled customer service. For more information, just go to jensenusa.com slash the spokesman. Hey everybody, it's David from the Fredcast Cycling Podcast at www.thefredcast.com. I'm one of the hosts and producers of the Spokesman Cycling Roundtable Podcast. For show notes, links, and all sorts of other information, please visit our website at www.the-spokesmen.com. And now, here are the spokesmen. Hi there, I'm Carlton Reed of BikeBiz.com and in today's episode, I'll be revisiting a topic that has again flared up in the mainstream media here in the UK. I spoke with the Roads Minister Jesse Norman yesterday and he told me about a Department for Transport press release that would touch on a number of subjects concerning the safety of cyclists on our roads. On BikeBiz, I led with the news that the DFT is considering beefing up the how to overtake cyclists mention in the highway code. That's the rule 163, of course. If that happens, it'll be a significant and important change. However, as you'd expect, the mainstream media hasn't touched any of that. Instead, it has focused on the proposed law change to make a specific offence of death by dangerous or careless cycling. And there you go, we've got some um, audio of sirens in the background there too. Now, I was on Sky News this morning stating how I had no problem with this law change, but that it was an odd priority for the government considering the far greater danger posed by motorists. The law change is the result of a successful campaign by Matt Briggs, who sadly lost his wife Kim in an incident in 2016. She was walking across Old Street in London and was knocked to the ground by a cyclist and she later died. That cyclist, Charlie Alliston, was put behind bars for 18 months. But the law he was convicted with dates to 1861 and is clearly unsuitable for the modern age. Matt Briggs wanted to see a new offence introduced and cycling organisations don't have a problem with that change. You may remember that I spoke at length with Matt in September last year. And that was on show number 170. There was also a a show uh, before that, I think it was 168, where I talked to uh, a bunch of legal uh, experts and journalists and and cycle advocates, where we discussed uh, the same issue from a slightly different angle. Anyway, uh, back to today. I asked Matt... Uh, or back to back to show 170, sorry. I asked Matt uh, the sort of question that mainstream media didn't and don't, and, and perhaps ditto for today. So I'll roll that interview last. First, I'll play the audio from this morning's interview with Sky News. Note in particular how I aim to present statistics, but that the presenter sidestepped the data and asked instead for anecdotes such as we've all seen cyclists running red lights. Yep, that one. Never dies, that one, does it? Uh, After that, there's some audio from cycle advocate and fellow bike biz writer, Laura Laker, 
who was interviewed by BBC Breakfast. Matt was actually interviewed alongside Laura. He's having a busy media day today. But first, here's that Sky News interview. Plans to introduce legislation so that cyclists who kill pedestrians in road traffic collisions could face similar punishments to dangerous drivers. Let's go live now to Newcastle. We're going to speak this morning to Carlton Reid. He is editor-at-large of the cycling magazine Bike Biz. Carlton, great to have you on the programme this morning. Do you support this review of the law? I'm afraid there was a, a bit of a pregnant pause here uh, because I was interviewed on uh, FaceTime and they hadn't turned my audio on. But I did say, yes, I, I kind of do welcome the, uh, the law change. But let's carry on. It's taking some arcane laws and it's bringing them up to date. I, I can't speak for all cyclists and all cycling organisations. But the reason I, I say it's OK is because it's so incredibly rare that this happens. So there's 400 and odd people, uh, pedestrians, killed by motorists each year. And there's only one, only, sounds awful, but there's, there's one statistically killed by cyclists. So this law is going to be, it's all, well, it's not, it's not really needed in, in many respects because of statistically there's just no real problem out there. But if the government wants to bring it in and they're minded to do so, then I, I see no uh, fairness problems with it. Right, but I mean, you say rare, but, but but in our package there, with jo, our reporter, I should say, with Joe Tidy, we spoke at length to uh, the, the widower of Kim Briggs, uh, Martin Briggs, who lost his wife last year. She was Matt killed Matt by a cyclist. Excuse me, yes, she was killed by a cyclist. He's now spending, what, 18 months in prison. Uh, he's not going to say, you know, he, he really wants this law to change. And for, for him and his family, their lives have been devastated by her loss. Of course, yes, and I've spoken to Matt many, many times, and we've had very, very civilized conversations about this this issue. Uh, but sadly, uh, in in the year that uh, Kim Briggs died, there was actually three pedestrians killed. So this was like a, a rogue year, if you like, because normally it's one, sometimes it's two. That year there was three, three incredible tragedies, of course. But it's sledgehammer to to, to crack a nut here in that. Uh, it just pales into insignificance into how many people are killed by motorists. And of course, dangerous and careless motoring is, is, a, is a law that's not actually um, used a great deal anyway, in that uh, most uh, motorists who do kill usually get uh, uh, put through to careless driving, even when it is quite clearly dangerous. So the law itself, the whole law, a whole road safety law needs changing, not this one particular tiny little part of it. And that's what cycling organisations have been calling for, for the, the review that was promised in 2014 on the whole of road safety to be brought forward. As more people cycle in this country, which is only a good thing, do you think we have a problem with people who cycle dangerously? Statistically says no. Um, what about uh, just, anecdotally? You know, you you know, we've all been on the road, haven't we? We've seen a cyclist go through a red light or go through a and, and motorists go through well, red what you, What's too. your message to them? Uh, well, all road users have got to comply with the law, whether they're cyclists, whether they're motorists, whatever form of transport. There are going to be idiots, unfortunately. You could just look at statistics, and statistics show that the great majority of cyclists are stopping at red lights, the great majority of motorists are stopping at red lights. There are rogue cyclists, there are rogue motorists. So this particular law is, is going after such a tiny, tiny sliver of people. It, it's, it's going to be almost, well, I, I shouldn't imagine it'll be used 
for a good many years. It's, it's that rare. Okay, Carlton, we'll leave it there. Thank you very much for joining us, Carlton Reed uh, from Bike. And let's go across to the interview uh, with Laura Laker. So Laura Laker is a cycle advocate and uh, a journalist, and uh, she was invited to go to Manchester last night so she could get up bright and early and uh, be in the BBC studios in uh, Salford Keys, which is just outside Manchester. And Manchester, of course, is uh, where Chris Boardman is the cycling and walking commissioner and has just introduced a whole bunch of ideas, including the B-Lines, protected cycleways. But let's let, let's go across to Laura. Uh, Laura, when you hear Matt talking there and obviously the situation that him and his family have had to live through, do you agree that there should be some change in the legislation or do you think the government are looking at the wrong thing? Well, I think if there's a gap in the law, um, then it's important that, the, that we look to close that gap. And I think it's good that the government's looking to improve road safety for all road users. But I think there's, um, there's a, a sort of issue with the laws as they stand in terms of how we prosecute dangerous and careless uh, driving in this country. And I've, I worry that this issue is going to carry on um, with the cycling offence, um, should it be introduced. Um, so the problem is that it's sort of so open to interpretation at the moment. And I think only 57% of people who cause a death by driving are sent to prison. And, and so there's a, there's a great inadequacy in the law as, as it stands. But Matt's wife was actually killed by a man that was riding a bike that yes. wasn't even meant to be on the road. Yeah, yeah, that's right. I mean, yeah, I certainly wouldn't argue with that. I just think if we're looking to improve road safety, we really need to look at how we're dealing with all um, danger caused by all road users. And at the moment, 1,700-odd people are dying on our roads every year. And the legal system that we have is inadequate in prosecuting people. And I think it sends out the wrong message. And I think you know everyone on the road needs to take care um, of other road users, of course. But um, we're just not sending out the right message in terms of how we treat each other on the roads. And I think that needs to change. Laura, what's quite striking here is the, the, the strength of feeling that people will have, either in a negative sense towards cyclists or in a positive sense. Lots of texts and emails this morning and saying uh, that I'm sick and tired of the media portraying all cyclists as reckless racers weaving in and out of traffic and between cars. Uh, Jennifer, though, saying uh, something very different. And David making the argument that cyclists are not answerable to anyone, in his view. From your perspective, looking in, in, the, in the broader sense that you were a few moments ago, what needs to be on the, the platter of the government's considerations here in terms of what else happens? If you accept that this should happen, what else needs to change specifically? Yeah, I think, I think the government really needs to treat with seriousness the volume of, um, of deaths we have in this country on our roads and the treatment that those deaths get in our justice system. So, so many families um, don't get the justice that they deserve uh, when people are killed, when their family members are killed on the roads at the moment. Um, but I think it's important to remember that people are people, you know, you're a person, if you're walking, you're a person, when you get on a bike, it doesn't make you a different person. I mean, people make mistakes. Some people are careless. They're going to be careless or dangerous, um, however they travel. And it's about how we deal with those. And it's about proportionality as well. So um, it's about dealing with those cases and the, and the harm that they can cause. And obviously, if you're driving, um, then you can cause a lot greater harm than you can cycling. And I think... Um, not to discount um, any case individually. It's important that we um, that we do treat you know, 
zero danger um, with seriousness. And four years ago now, the government promised a, a wider review of road danger, of road offences, um, which still hasn't emerged. And um, Chris Grayling, when he was Justice Secretary, said that he was going to do that. He didn't have the powers at the time. Now he's Transport Secretary, and he has the opportunity to do that and to tackle all these deaths on our roads and to make our roads safer for walking and cycling and um, and to tackle the, you know, the air pollution problem, the obesity problem we have all of these issues we have with just car dominance in our towns and our cities and in our rural areas. And without tackling that, you know, we're just sticking with the same old problems and, and sort of um, just fixing a tiny part of what is actually an enormous problem in this country. Laura, thank you very much. Before I bring in uh, Matt Briggs to round out uh, today's show, uh, I would like to go across to David, who will introduce the show sponsor. Hey, Carlton, thanks so much. And hi, everybody. It's David. And I am here, well, you know why I'm here. I'm here to talk about our longtime loyal and fantastic sponsor, Jensen USA at jensenusa.com slash the spokesman. Remember, that's J-E-N-S-O-N usa.com. Now, what's Jensen USA? Well, if you don't know by now, you should. Jensenusa.com is the place where you're going to find all of the things that you need for your complete cycling lifestyle. Complete bikes, mountain bikes, road bikes, gravel grinders, everything in between. Components, apparel, accessory, tools, shoes, really gifts, everything you can imagine that you would need for your cycling lifestyle. And we're not talking about off-branded stuff. We are talking about name brands that you know, love, and need for your cycling lifestyle. You're going to find those name brands at incredible low prices, and that's all going to be coupled with unparalleled customer service. If you haven't been to Jensen USA before, I urge you to do it right now and every time you need something for cycling because they're going to have it at great prices and you're going to be very, very satisfied with their customer service. Go ahead and check them out. That's at jensenusa.com slash the spokesman. Our thanks to Jensen USA for supporting the Spokesman Cycling Roundtable podcast, and our thanks to you for supporting our sponsor, Jensen USA. All right, Carlton, back to you. Thank you, David. And we are back with uh, show 198 of the Spokesman Cycling Roundtable podcast. And uh, I would now like to uh, go across uh, to the audio that uh, I recorded earlier with Matt Briggs. Uh, thanks to the wonders of Skype, I am talking again with Matt Briggs. Now, Matt, your campaign appears today to have been successful. And it's been amazing to see the Department for Transport of all departments move mountains to get the law you campaigned for onto the statute books. Do you think that's down to Jesse Norman's personal interest in your case? Or do you think it's been led by the huge media interest? Well, I think we, we, I, I probably would still be quite cautious, Carlton, because, um, you know, what's happened today is a significant step um, announcing the public consultation. Um, and we've got 12 weeks of public consultation. And then I think we enter the parliamentary process. So we're not quite there yet. Um as to Jesse's commitment to it, I uh, it was just over a year ago that I first made a, a press statement after the trial saying that 
I thought the law uh, needed to be updated. It, it was a week after that that, that um, I had my first meeting with Jesse Norman. And, and to be clear, I've only actually had two meetings with, with Jesse. But I... I got the impression that he he got it, he understood it um, very quickly uh, as soon as he as soon as he met me, and I think he understood that it was a um, although it probably you know falls under the Department of Transport. I think he understood that it was a, a legal issue mm-hmm. ab- above anything else. So yes, I think yes, of course, I think it must be it must be his commitment and his perseverance that's got got us this far. Now you you were reticent there. In that, yes, you're quite right. It, it's it's not on the statute books yet. It it has to you know go through a, a few hoops. But I was going through our direct messages that we 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 made each other on um, on Twitter where we, we were talking about this last year, and I said in November uh, that I think you're a shoe in with this one. I think this one will go through, and I absolutely still do think that, especially when you look at you know the the the, the press release that that came out last night. So. As you're saying, there is a consultation, but that's based upon what was what was said by by um, Burkett, the law firm that was commissioned to 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 find out whether there was a case for this. So clearly, the government does want to make this change. I mean, it it, it surely by going out to public consultation and in a, in effect accepting Burkett's um findings that must mean it must must be that shoe in i wouldn't I, I would never want to be complacent i would i would you know you've watched these things for longer than i have i would imagine there are lots of reports published and recommendations done and then something happens mm. um something changes in government and and things could could slow down you know it, it's it is really good progress it is I do feel the government is committed to tidying the law up, but as I say, until the um, until the ink is on the vellum, um, I uh, I will I will keep pushing um, politely and persistently. And you have been polite and persistent, and you have potentially um, succeeded. So an awful lot of 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 single issue campaigns, you know, take many many years to to even get a whiff of getting a government minister on their side. So you're clearly pushing it at an open door in some respects. Um, you, yeah, I mean, you'd know more about the history of this than, than I would. Um, it, it, has been, it has been swift, and I have been met with um, a lot of understanding and a lot of consideration um, from, uh, from the media, from the Department of Transport, and, and also from... I have to say from from people like yourself and the and the cycling lobby so uh you know i've i've always said what 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 happened to kim was um was incredibly rare so but the issue of uh, injuries i guess is is not you know serious injuries is not quite so rare but i think when i when i when i presented the the facts that there there isn't a useful law for when things go wrong with cyclists and when there's criminal wrongdoing you know there isn't a useful law there's only the the only possible one is the um wanton and furious uh riding mm. 
I think it, I think it just became very very clear. Um, but you're right. I, you know, I do feel very fortunate to have got this far in just under a year. Mm-hmm. Now, now, news of the, and I'll, I'll now phrase this in, in a, a caveat. So, news of the potential uh, law change was made officially today, uh, and it appears you've had uh, a busy day with the media. So, which broadcasters and newspapers, and I've, I've seen you on at least two, uh, who have you been talking to? Um, so it started, uh, first interview was last night with Sky. So it was embargoed until today. So Sky did a pre-recorded interview with me last night. Um, I did five live at at, uh, six o'clock this morning. Um, and then I did, uh, LBC at seven, uh, BBC breakfast news at eight and then, um, ITV news at, uh, at 11. And you were saying before an Australian breakfast? Yes, very, very strangely, an Australian um, breakfast TV show have, have reached out to me and asked for an interview. Um, I, I don't think that's in a in, in much of a hurry, um, and uh, they've asked for that on on Wednesday. Um, and I think I'll I'll just ask for the the angle on that. I don't know. Um, you, you'll have noticed I tend to really only speak about things of which of which i know and i feel confident on so mm. i don't know whether there is a specific issue in australia um so i'll i'll find out their angle if it's just interest in in what i'm doing then then fine but it it does seem to have captured a lot of media attention um you know not just in the uk it's mm. uh, it, it seems to be a lot of interest in this story and interest also on social media so you do get an awful lot of grief on on twitter and i so some of the people i follow uh who are messaging you i get their their, their tweets in my timeline i know i can see what you're saying and you are generally polite to them until they get too bad and then you might have to mute them uh but you do get an awful lot of abuse and i would say i, I don't want to boil it down to to the exact statements but you do there do seem to be a, a pattern of you know it, it's often it's often what about so you know the, the people see your success and say uh, sometimes quite rudely that you know you've had a death in your family what about all the deaths in other people's families from you know here's where the what about comes in you know from motor vehicles um killing people so how do you square the fact that you've been successful with the sad death in your family, but say 450 pedestrians who are killed by motorists can't have the same kind of success um, at getting people, A, put in jail for a start and B, getting the ear of ministers? Yeah, I, um, I mean, just if we unpack that, any, well, any, any, any sudden loss of life in in any tragic circumstances is 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 awful. The um, you know the, the shock waves that it sends out through families is mm. is terrible. I think um, there's something about a a road death, however it occurs, that um, you know particularly um, particularly uh, upsetting. Um, someone can go out to work. Um, whether they're a pedestrian or whether they're a cyclist or, or, or a car driver, the, the fact that somebody can go out to work on a normal day and not come back is 
is awful. So however it happens, and, and, I, and I totally, totally acknowledge that. The, uh, and people do have, um, you know, passions do run high with this and people do say exactly that to me well mm. you've you know how about all of all of the other things and and the argument that i sort of put back is that that is a valid argument but it's about it seems to me that's an argument about the application of the law there is a law there whether people think think it's imperfect or not but there is a law there to deal with dangerous driving careless mm. driving serious injury and death in in my case, there was no law to apply. So so yes, I think people have a valid point about the application of the law. People have very clear um, stories and um, uh, anecdotes about how they feel that people weren't properly prosecuted. But I say my argument is that's about application of the law. I'm I'm a step back from that in the fact that there was actually no law to apply. Um, with regards to the abuse, you know, I don't get a lot of it. Um, and it, when people are abusive, then, do you know, what? I'm fairly tough. I, sticks and stones and all that. Mm. Um, it really it really doesn't bother me. Um, these people don't know me. If they're sat in their own basements, you know, hammering out abuse to me, then you know, fine, I can block or I can mute or, mm. um, um, and I do do that after I've tried to engage. Mm. Well, it's amazing that you say so, because it must be quite tough, because some, some of the comments do get quite personal. Uh, yeah, they do. But again, you know, um, I don't know, maybe, maybe I'm sort of a bit, a bit older and a bit, uh, a bit more haggard. I, I guess. I guess Carlton, at a very human level, when when you when you've been through what I've been through uh, in 2016, and and still living in the aftermath of it, those are the, you know, those are the, that, that those are the massive things that hit you in life. So as I say, if if someone is sat in their basement and feel the need to hammer out abuse to me on a keyboard, and it and it comes through as you know words on a tweet. It's really not gonna. It's really not going to affect me mm. um, or, or, or impact me. And I say I will always try and politely engage. Um, and if if people want to be abusive, then I'll then I'll just block them. Mm. Now, Matt, you mentioned before that there wasn't a law that you could, um, or the, the 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 prosecuting authorities couldn't go to a law to use in this case. But saying that. You have a successful prosecution in that uh, the cyclist involved went to an offenders institution for 18 months. So would it not be the case of, well, that tells you that it must be OK because there was a prosecution and there was somebody sent to jail for, for, for two years? Um, I, I, I wouldn't agree with that, no, because the you know, if, if, if we go back uh, a week after Kim died, I got the first call from the investigating officer to say that they thought that there might have been criminal wrongdoing involved in in Kim's death, um, and that was to do with the the, the the very specific bike without the front brakes. Mm -hmm. And then then came the but, which was, but we don't know what we can charge with. And then in the end, the because the construction and use act was 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 seen as you know wholly inadequate a hundred pound fine and a magistrate's 
um, hearing. Um, dangerous cycling is in the Road Traffic Act, but you know as, as well it's a, it's a summary-only offence. So those were discarded quite quickly as being wholly inappropriate. And the only one that could be used, well, uh, we need to come on to manslaughter, but the only one that could be used was the wanton and furious um, driving. Uh, you know, we've discussed this before, but it, it doesn't even mention death. It says causing bodily harm by means of wanton and furious riding. It was designed for people using horses. It has a maximum tariff um, available of, of two years um, rather than the 14 under the uh, Traffic Act. And when you get into the the minutiae of, of how, um, you know, these, these court cases go, the the bar um the, the the different bars to prove different arguments the the routes to verdict for the jury are are completely different so yes there was a conviction but it took 18 months um and it, it is it is a an inadequate way and a very cumbersome way and an archaic way to to prosecute Mm-hmm. Okay. Now, the, the DFT press release, which we both saw yesterday, in fact, yes, yesterday, we're now, we're now Sunday, aren't we? Yeah. Uh, 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 that covered lots of issues, uh, not just the death by dangerous cycling one, uh, but the mainstream media has only focused on that particular part, which wasn't even highlighted that much in the press release. You know, they've had to they've had to really kind of like pick this out with uh, uh, with tweezers to to find that particular bit. So, h- how do you think? they've done that and do you think that's fair that they've 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 absolutely picked out this very, very small part of that that uh, press release well i i could I, i'd probably put that one back to you as being more of a media expert than than i am um one of the things that i've i've tried to do today because you are right um everyone's talking about death by dangerous cycling and um I've 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 watched your uh, Sky interview since I've got in, and and you you correctly say you know this is a this is a law that will be very very rarely used, thankfully very rarely used. Mm. And what I've tried to do today is is say it's not just about death by dangerous and careless cycling; it is about causing serious injury by death and dangerous cycling. So there is a whole package. Um, and I think credit should also go to Jesse Norman because Jesse has has been uh, on on Twitter today. I've not seen any of his broadcast um, interviews, but I think Jesse's been pushing uh, the rest of the of the package and the rest of the story mm. um, as well. But as to why the media um, go for that, um, uh, you know, look, there's been a lot of interest in in Kim's story. There's been a lot of interest in in me. Um, but I would probably put it back to someone who understands the media more than I do um, as, as to why they've gone straight for that. Well, I, I kind of know because it, it is the, you know, they're going to go for the, the in effect, the, the most, I don't want to say this because it sounds awful, the sexiest story. Um, that's what they're going to, that's what they're going to go for. So uh, the bite biz story is about a, a change in the highway code, which actually could have huge ramifications for safety if that comes forward, but that's not going to get into the mainstream media. So it was it was Bike Biz would would pick that angle, but obviously 
the the mainstream media isn't. So that's that's kind of the answer there. So the, the the endemic media, the cycle media, will definitely choose to highlight something different, not because they want to hide something, just because in the grand scheme of things, and and your your campaign absolutely. Um, I know you don't want to say it's going to be successful, but I would say it's going to be successful. Uh, so you, you, you've, you've got to focus on, on your campaign. Um, but from a wider society picture, then that particular thing could actually have uh, a very widespread you know, population level changes if, if it's as strong as maybe Jesse Norman would, would like to make it strong. So that's, that's the kind of angles that the difference one would would choose there's no question there there was just that's that's my point yeah and 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 it's a and it's a valid one and what i i what i try to i mean i was asked a question today by one of the broadcasters about my thoughts on infrastructure and i always say you know i'm i'm really not qualified to answer questions about cycling infrastructure i'm you know and nor do i ever get drawn into you know things like high vis and registration all of that i i'm really not qualified there are people far better to talk about the the wider issues than me if and and i i always try not to stray off the path but just to talk about the things that i want getting brakeless fixes off mm. the road and and getting the the law changed so maybe uh you know maybe this maybe it's me sometimes that focuses it down um to those things but i just i i, I don't want to talk about things i'm really not qualified to talk about mm. Let, let's let's actually finish matt on that part of the campaign then so that this is certainly something that bike base has been able to do because it's very much an industry thing and that is the fixy part of your campaign so how how has that gone over the last few months well, and, and on that point, I would I would say thank you to you personally, Carlton, because on a couple of occasions, I know that you have have helped me. Um, so uh, let's unpack that part of that campaign. One for me is to uh, where bike retailers are uh, using imagery that have uh, has no front brakes, uh, so bikes with no front brakes uh, visible in the in the imagery. Um, I contact them and ask them to either take the images down, reshoot, or, or I think as you suggested, it was quite easy is just to shop in Photoshop in a, a brake cable, and all of them, apart from one in the US, have responded and, and made the changes within 24 hours. And I think that's probably 10 retailers now over the mm. last over the last year. So, and and also to put in the in the in the blurb as it were that um you know if it's a track bike with no drillings for the front brake to be very clear that this bike is not legal for for road use so that that i find quite straightforward the bit that i'm finding a little bit harder um uh, is dealing with the cycle courier businesses now um the reason i uh, talk about the courier companies if if 90 percent of the people i see riding a brakeless fixie um, in London are cycle couriers. Mm. Three courier companies in London have 90% market share. Mm-hmm. Um, and then there are also the food delivery companies as well. And what I would like to do, 
and have tried but haven't been very successful is to get the the chief execs of those three uh, career companies and perhaps the two main food delivery companies in a room with me to say, look, there is a problem here. Your systems and procedures and processes are not being successful in in shutting it down. Uh, I've got some ideas about how we could do it, and and to to ask them to sort of adopt a, a, an industry wide uh, code of conduct to stop uh, these um, breakless fixes from being on the road, or certainly being part of the courier community. Um, but you know, as you know. We spoke many times, two kids, my son entering into his GCSE year, trying to get the law changed and hold down a full-time job. Mm. It, it's something that I can only do sporadically. But that's that's my next thing is, is let's see if we can get these these probably five people in a room to agree an industry-wide code of conduct. And that, that seems achievable in that speaking to the actual couriers themselves that's gonna be much harder because that's a cultural thing that's a fashion thing that they want to to look like this but at least if the companies involved stipulate you know you must wear a helmet you must do this you must do that and you mustn't ride uh, a, a brakeless fixie at least it's in documentation somewhere so then it just literally just comes down to well it's it's individual couriers individual food delivery riders who are choosing not to do something yeah so so the 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 one you know i'm not gonna i'm not gonna name names but the one career company who who i have met with um their processes are and they've agreed are fairly weak in that when you start riding with them they don't do a um they don't do a physical check of your bike they ask you to send in a photograph of your bike um which of course is in itself flawed secondly if you are caught riding without front brake uh you will be asked to remedy it and to send a picture of your bike with the front brake to prove that 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 you've got it on so it's it's riddled with flaws as regards to the cycle couriers themselves when i see them in london uh i do i do stop them i'm very i'm very polite as you know carlton i don't Mm. you know i don't try and get into any conflict but i do stop them i do tell them my story uh, most of them now, you know, when I talk about the story and, and, and name, you know, say Kim Briggs, actually most of them know it. And of the 20 I've stopped in the last year, only one has has been, um, shall we say, not, not really interested in engaging. The mm. others have listened. And, I th- you know, how can you not be moved by that story? Mm-hmm. Mm. Um, most people are decent people, whether they make the changes that they promised me on the pavement that they're going to make, who knows, but, you know, I will keep trying to engage because these bikes can be lethal. And I say to them, even if you don't care about my story, consider your own safety as well. Um, so I, I just keep on keeping on Carlton. <laughs> mm hmm hmm well matt as always it's uh it's a pleasure to talk to you and it's inspiring that your campaign i, I know we don't meet exactly eye to eye on this as you saw from the sky interview i'm i'm slightly different to to your opinion on that but i absolutely respect your 
campaign and the success the I'm going to do another caveat the likely success of your campaign so thank you ever so much for for being on the show again and and talking through your thought processes to cyclists who are going to be listening to this show yeah and I and I do appreciate I appreciate you giving me the, the the time and the space to to do it because the the um the media interviews that I give are always tend to be very short and I would I would thank you in return for for the respect that that you know this this debate whether I'm whether I'm um whether it's with yourself or people like Duncan Duncan Dollymore or uh, Roger Geffen um it, it's I think we we're, we're conducting it you know, calmly, rationally, with, you know, huge amounts of respect on both sides for each other's position. And I, I think I said to you on Twitter today, we need a little bit more calm, rational debate in, in so many areas of society. And it's so nice to be able to conduct this with people who are very decent. And and the cycling lobby always treats me with with enormous respect and and consideration. So, you know, thank you. And thank you for giving me the the, the space and the time this afternoon to, to answer questions in a in a long in a long hand fashion. Thank you to Matt Briggs there for being on today's show, and I absolutely recommend you going to listen to the uh, the very much longer uh, interview that uh, I had with Matt back in September last year, and uh, one of the previous shows where we discussed uh, the campaign Briggs campaign. Uh, with uh, a lawyer, a cycle advocate, uh, and a writer on cycling matters called Bez. Now, today uh, has been uh, an unusual show. Uh, it has been uh, a show dominated by subjects that are very much always in the mainstream media eye, and that is uh, the recklessness. Uh, the 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 awfulness of of cyclists and how they should be controlled and it just does get very tiresome uh, on on mainstream media but I do feel that uh, uh, with me going on Sky News with uh, Cycling UK's Duncan Dollimore going on a variety of uh, shows as well with Laura Laker uh, we have got to get the message out there that this really is not the case and it's very much worthwhile uh, talking to the media and putting forward what I hope is a a reasoned and reasonable face uh, on this that that we're not uh, some sort of uh, uh, fiends out there on bikes we are just ordinary people trying to get around on bicycles thanks for listening to today's show and thanks for subscribing so you get the rest of them automatically Show notes and more can be found on the-spokesmen.com. I'll include links to the two shows that I mentioned, including that longer interview with Matt. Please also consider taking a moment of your time to air your opinion of the show in general on iTunes or any of the other places you grab the show. Your feedback, of course, is welcome. For instance, are you missing the roundtable chats with regulars such as David Bernstein, Donna Tochi and Jim Moss? It's tough to get us all together in one place, but I am working on it. Soon, I promise. Meanwhile, get out there and ride.